0: Today, Entrepreneur House listeners, we are privileged to have a very special guest called Russ Hughes on our show. Let me tell you why we are so very fortunate to have him with us. Russ is a systems architect and been working online since 2002 and an entrepreneur since 2012. His background is in development and systems administration. During his career, he has worked with small startups and large enterprises to develop, scale, and maintain various styles of web data, and telecoms applications used by schools, hospitals, banks, and governments. Since 2014, he's also been selling physical products on Amazon. Recently, he's intertwined his love for systems and Amazon knowledge to create Amazuka, a SaaS to help Amazon sellers understand their customers more and sell more products. Here's what I love about Russ. He is humble, unassuming, and incredibly generous. I've seen Russ in action and I can tell you point blank that he is more concerned with creating products that add value and truly helping people than he is about making money. He has a high level of integrity, works hard when he needs to, and delegates as much as he needs as well. He's a master analyzer and can take one look at what you're doing with your business, give you some quick advice that can catapult your sales and skyrocket your conversion rates. He has an incredible track record of working online. Including creating six-figure businesses in less than a year, Russ has one of the most incredible and exciting stories of anyone that has stayed at the Entrepreneur House, and he's going to share with us today. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome my good friend Russ Hughes to the show.
1: Hey, Chris, thank you very much. Thanks That's for um, a fantastic intro.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show, Russ. So let's talk about where it all started, man. Tell the listeners where you come from and how you became the entrepreneur that you are today.
1: Oh, um, I guess the very beginning, the very very beginning, would have been two thousand and two, I guess, um, when you know I was at university. Mm-hmm. Um extremely poor with no money, like absolutely everyone else at university uh, and then I discovered these um these pyramid schemes where you know if if you complete an offer online uh, and then you know you get five friends to then complete the same offer with your referral code, mm-hmm. you can get like a free a free Amazon voucher. Um, and then you can buy stuff, really unnecessary things like, you know, televisions. Um, (laughs) so I I ran around, uh, like you've probably seen loads of people do on Facebook, kind of spamming my link and stuff to all my mates at university, trying to get them to do it. And they all said no. Um, and then it's like, well, I'll build a website, I'll build a website promoting these offers, And then I'll drive Google pay per click traffic Mm -hmm. to all these websites using the keyword free. Uh, And then, yeah, that turned into a kind of Amazon voucher fountain, basically. Um, For every $10 I put into keywords, I'd print out a $100 Amazon voucher, which was uh, a good ROI. Uh, And that was like, that was my very first introduction to internet marketing. Uh, even though I didn't really know what it was or what I was doing. Um, and that was the very beginning. Uh, I also s- I still needed a job because you can't eat Amazon TVs to survive. Um, so the next thing was through word of mouth, through a friend, um, I landed a-, a PHP development role working for um, a trucking company, mm-hmm. um, building out a website for them. And this, this was such a long time ago. The idea of becoming a digital nomad really wasn't uh, in my vocabulary. Mm-hmm. So rather than cutting code for people in Bali or Chiang Mai or sunny Phuket, I worked out of rainy Portsmouth uh, <laughs> in a terraced block of flats um, for a remote client. Uh, which was cool. It was a good lesson in you know, time management and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like the number of days where I woke up at 7 in the morning, uh, didn't even get dressed and just worked through my dressing gown until 10 in the evening. Uh, <laughs> it, it was a big lesson uh, in you know, how, to, how to create quotes and specs properly to mm-hmm. actually accurately estimate how much time stuff would take. Right. Um, and you know, I, I was still extremely young and naive, so it was it was good to be dropped uh, dropped straight in it from that kind of point of view. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so how would that make you feel, Russ, when you started doing some internet marketing online and you were producing televisions and other probably useless goods
1: from Amazon that, that you could <laughs> order with your vouchers? My favorite was a Nintendo DS, but um, it, it was good. Uh, and then I kept seeing, or, you know, you, you see the marketing stories of, I think it was the rich jerk. Yeah. It's um, sure. a prominent one. And it's like, well, how can I do that? But, um, you know, I still, it wasn't really, a, it wasn't a fantastic income. Um, so, you know, it wasn't enough to like really down on any any of these courses so I then spent a very long time kind of doing nothing I suppose like you know I was registering exact domain websites but you know I had a a nine to five job so I was doing all of this entrepreneurial stuff Mm -hmm. weekends and evenings and for anyone that does work a nine to five job you know it's extremely difficult to plough energy into a side project Mm -hmm. especially if it's something that's actually not very interesting uh, that you don't really care about and also you don't really know about so um, I was kind of really badly building these websites for these keywords I knew what I was doing but I just didn't have passion or focus Mm -hmm. so it just wasn't happening Um, and then I discovered the wonderful word of outsourcing Ah. And, and, and where'd you go from there? Well, that was it. Five or six years of trying to create something new um, in my spare time. Uh, overnight changed when I just decided to put a couple of grand on a credit card and take a risk. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, hired a few VAs to bang out articles. So I built the websites myself um, still, but then hired a few VAs to write articles build backlinks etc etc normal kind of like seo kind of stuff uh, and then i remember it specifically one it was a wednesday it was half past seven in the evening mm-hmm. and i got my first sale which was something like 27 dollars for me mm-hmm. um and yeah that was that was the kind of start of the actual serious internet marketing taking off, which was nice. Around what year was this? This would have probably been 2011, 2012. Okay. So about four years ago. Very cool. So it was a very big plateau whilst everything I tried failed. (laughs) (laughs) That happens a lot
0: with entrepreneurs though, you know. Yeah, people start out and they get uh, almost have kind of like a beginner's luck, I guess you could say, right? And yeah. Things, you get really excited and then things slow down a bit and you're like, okay, how can I keep this going? Why isn't it not going? Actually mm. it weeds out a lot of people that probably weren't born to be an entrepreneur or just didn't have the the, the tolerance to keep it up, right? And then a lot of people have to yeah. like, take another job or work a quote unquote real job while they're
1: building it. the business it, and... Go ahead. Exactly. It, it was good as well because I mean, if if I had have had instant success like straight out of university, mm-hmm. uh, I wouldn't have developed the skill set that I've got at the moment, right? Quite likely. Whereas you know, I spent that time working kind of with startups, uh, delivering products, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, I spent kind of ten years learning a lot. Uh, from some really clever people, yeah, um, which is definitely paying off now. (laughs) Yeah,
0: absolutely. This this reminds me of something. I've been watching documentaries about Muhammad Ali since he passed away recently. And one thing that they said that, that really made him truly the greatest boxer is that when he fought George Foreman, I believe for the first time, he lost. No, no, no. George lost, okay. and George it was George's first loss, and he had been the heavyweight champion, and Muhammad was coming in to take it take it back, and George suffered such an ego blow from his loss. Now Muhammad went on to, I think, lose other fights and had lost more before, and that's what made separated him from. The other fighters is that Ali would lose a match and instantly get momentum to go back and win it again. You know, right. even if it was the same person. And when George Foreman like lost his first battle against Ali, he he hit a massive, massive blow to the ego and didn't know what to do. It shook his world up. And, and this happens with entrepreneurs all the time. Happened to myself. Yeah. You know, you start your first business, you get some. Good traction and success, maybe the first year and year two hits, and you're like, "Uh oh, the newness wore off, and people aren't buying anymore." Like, what's going on? And that—that's what separates, mm-hmm. I think, why nine nine out of ten businesses fail. That's what separates, yeah. right? The men from the boys. These entrepreneurs just keep plugging away, even if it takes ten years, you know. Yeah. And and just just go at it. It's almost something inherent in it in us. Like we have to keep that
1: momentum going to become an entrepreneur. I, Exactly. I describe it as falling forwards. Yeah. You've, like you're not always in control. It's not always good, but you've just got to keep picking yourself up. Yeah. Pivoting if necessary and, and carry on going. Um, Absolutely. So when did you actually leave
0: working for other people, Russ?
1: Well, I mean, when real job.
0: When?
1: job. I still I still had a real job when um, in my you know my side project my kind of SEO stuff was taking off Uh so this would have been kind of 2013 so I'm always one for reinvestment so I started reinvesting that money into physical products on Amazon Mm -hmm. so 2013 14 I had my SEO stuff that I started previously Mm -hmm. was um, selling physicals on Amazon and was working my day job at the same time, mm-hmm. um, which was quite a lot to handle yeah and I think this I started to feel ill, it was kind of kind of strange um, I was just kind of tired all the time, always hungry, kind of sleepy mm-hmm. uh, i 'd wake up at like I had really a really understanding boss, which was very lucky. But, you know, I'd wake up at like half 10, 11 in the morning and, you know, I'm supposed to be at work at (laughs) like, you (laughs) know. So, um, yeah, that kind of drove everyone insane Mm because I didn't like it. Um, So I remember it was September 2013. Mm -hmm. I just read Johnny FD's... um, Book. Uh, oh, I forget what it's called now. Johnny F. D. Book. Sorry, I'm just going to Google this. No problem. Twelve weeks. Okay. So, um, it was around late August, September 2013. Uh, I was kind of googling um, my tire retreats, fat camps, that kind of thing, weight loss <laughs> camps. Uh I was I was trying to find like a, a place to go because i ballooned. I'd gone from like seventy kilograms to like ninety. Oh wow! Uh, so I was like, you know, this isn't cool. Like I'd been to the doctors. You know, they they couldn't find anything wrong with me. Mm-hmm. I put on all this weight. I wasn't functioning. I couldn't actually do my job. Um, so I started googling fat camp, and then I found Johnny FD's. Um, 12 Weeks in Thailand, Okay. Uh, the, the guidebook to travel cheap, learn Mai Thai, or whilst living the four-hour work week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I blitzed through that. I was sat at work. I bought it through the Kindle, and then I just sat at work for the entire yeah. day just re- reading this book So I was so fed up. And it was like, this seems like a really good idea.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I can just kind of quit my job, go to Thailand, live in Tiger Mai Tai land, practicing Mai Tai Train really hard and then, you know, see, see what happens. Um, you know, go back to England when I've lost all the weight and, you know, get back to working again or whatever. You know, just see see what happens. Take a risk. Um, so I handed in my notice and then the next day I asked for it back. <laughs> <laughs> okay i didn 't have the courage to pull the trigger i mm-hmm. kind of I looked at my bank account and it I could afford a year in Thailand, mm-hmm. but you know there wasn 't that much wiggle room for um making a mistake or anything okay so um, they were kind enough to give me my job back, which is cool yeah um, then a few months later in March... They must like, have really liked I, you
0: there, Russ, because you didn't show up on time. <laughs> so you quit, and then the next day they decided to hire you back. <laughs> I,
1: I did save their business and then deliver them a platform that made half a million dollars in profit a day. That's so why. <laughs> the, the, the boss owed me a little bit. Yeah. Um, so in I was still getting sicker so I was still like putting on weight I was still turning up late the doctors didn't know what was going on I had like some MRI scans and stuff done it was all rubbish um, and then then March uh, I got absolutely smashed mm-hmm. absolutely smashed and at 2 in the morning I went to BA.com mm-hmm. and booked flights Nice. And I went to togamaito.com and put down a deposit on the first three months. Nice. And then I woke up the next day with the most blinding hangover I've ever had. Uh Uh-oh. But I'd spent money and committed to a plan. Nice. So... For whatever reason, I decided 1st of September. So this would have been like March. So I decided 1st of September is going to be the day. So I'm just going to sort everything out. And then that was it, yeah, because 1st of September was when I booked the flight for. So I just uh, had, what, six, however many months it was to then sort everything out. So um, I carried on working, uh, carried on getting sicker, carried on getting fatter, Uh, actually kind of, Started drinking a lot to deal with it um, just because, the you know, I was seeing specialists and stuff, private clinics, all kinds of things. It was hilarious. Uh, didn't have a clue what was wrong with me. Um, so, you know, then I started downsizing, donating all my books to charity, all my clothes to charity, you know, getting rid of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, with the guys to, you know, just literally me one bag and Phuket and see what happens. Uh, August rolled rounds. So at this point, the SEO stuff's going well. Uh, the Amazon stuff's um, going well. Um, I'm feeling comfortable. Finally pull the trigger and give my boss another uh, <laughs> letter of resignation. <laughs> Uh, I actually gave him a bottle of whiskey to go with it, um, to uh, apologize. Okay. Uh, And then, yeah, that was it. Um, Finished emptying the flat. Put a few bits and pieces in my parents' loft. Mm -hmm. And then 1st of September, they drove me to Heathrow. Mm -hmm. And I went to Phuket. And how long Um, were you in in Asia? um, I spent eight months training... Uh, in Phuket whilst working on uh, the th- various businesses mm-hmm. uh, and because I didn't really know what I was doing and had no plan uh, I just started uh, developing uh, some Amazon software using all of the tools and experience um, that I'd been using in my final project for my previous uh, employer so I just took everything I learned there uh, and injected it into this new system um, new, new platform called Amazuka. Uh, and then, so I left England to train on the 1st of September 2014. Mm-hmm. And then April 2015, um, I fell really sick in, in Phuket. Like, I was hungry all the time. I was losing a lot of weight and I was in bed asleep all the time. Okay. Um, and then it turned out I've got diabetes, which is Same. good to find out. You didn't find out until April 2015. Nope. So I'd had it for like maybe two years undiagnosed. Um, And I'd seen a good dozen doctors, I guess. Wow. Uh, And then, yeah, the guys in – I went to the international Bangkok or whatever it was in Phuket. Mm -hmm. uh, And they just took a blood test. And it was like, yeah, okay type 2 diabetic so that was kind of cool because that explained why I'd been feeling ill all the time right Um, and then you know I didn't really know what to do it was like well okay this is quite a big thing uh I should probably get a second opinion um so I went online and found the entrepreneur house okay yeah
0: and you got were you planning to... You, were you looking for a second opinion, Russ, and then and dive into that second opinion? Did you go back to Europe um, because of that, or did you just meet another doctor in Asia?
1: Oh, um, Oh, My original plan was to kind of go around the world clockwise, but I, I figured, as this is quite a big thing, um, it's not that I don't distrust uh, Thai doctors. Um, now, actually, they're now I've had a lot of experiences with them and they're definitely some of the best in the world. Yeah. But I, I just wanted a, a more kind of like close-to-home Western uh, doctor to talk to. Um, so just to. Go ahead. Just to kind of, you know, it's quite a big thing, diabetes. So was <laughs> uh, it really the
0: was it the entrepreneur house that brought you back to Europe or seeking that second decision or a combination of both?
1: It was the entrepreneur house. Okay. Uh, so I I wanted... I guess the term is a safe space. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wanted to go somewhere where there'd be people there that I'd know. Um, I, I was on the same wavelength with, you know, we were doing the same things. Okay. Uh, like a community where, you know, I could kind of fit in uh, and deal with this, basically. Right. Um, I didn't want to just, you know, I could have flown back to England and gone home, but I didn't really want to do that. Um, and, you know, I could have just flown to a random European city by myself and then dealt with it by myself, but I didn't really want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of, I was looking for, I guess, some kind of like camaraderie, I guess. Right. Um, not, not not too much support, but, you know, just pe- people who I'd be around for a, a solid length of time, mm-hmm. um, kind of, I, I, I wanted to kind of deal with it by myself, but you know, having people around to talk to uh, is always useful.
0: I think that's a really smart and courageous decision because I think the natural thing to do when your health fails you and you're basically alone in Asia, had some friends, but um, more or less they're out there by yourself. I think the natural thing to do would go back home, right? To be in an environment around family, which could be amazing. But your logic was surround yourself with like-minded people that you know would support you, but not necessarily something you could still work through on yeah, your own. Yeah,
1: basically. Okay. There, there was some some great people in um, Phuket, like uh, Vic, Vic Dorfman. Um, yeah. Definitely got to name check that guy because, you know, these guys were there when I was being diagnosed. Yeah. Um, and kind of really help me out. But one of the, you know, there's not really anything anyone can do to kind of help. So I just wanted a place where I could, you know, visit the doctors by myself, get checked out, work out what to do, and then kind of engage. And during the eight months I spent in Phuket, I spent a lot of time doing personal development, reading a lot of business books and things. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I'd, I'd managed to grow both of my businesses the seo and the amazon stuff um quite massively in that period due to being able to focus on them okay so you know i wanted a place like that where i could you know meet entrepreneurs um focus on my business uh and grow it and and be around people that you know were positive and kind of going in that personal development direction mm-hmm. um so what, what was it
0: like for you, Russ, when you landed in Barcelona and met the other people from the house?
1: <laughs> well, it, it was absolutely awesome. Um, I'd made a lot of changes in Barcelona. So when, when things got going and kind of the entrepreneur-like house experience actually kicked off um, and the masterminds kicked, it was just absolutely amazing. Um, like I've spent my entire life working uh, on IT projects in teams of people. Mm -hmm. Um, you know all doing development and delivery and all the other stuff and I must have met 30 to 40 people um all okay all all of the businesses were kind of online based so there was a technical element to them Mm -hmm. but the technical element was the tools to create the businesses not not the businesses themselves so um you know there were Freddie from iChess doing absolutely amazing things with digital chess products um Mm -hmm. Uh, oh, there are people doing um, e-learning courses, teaching photography. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neha doing um, what was it? Uh, mentoring and tutoring children uh, and kids through uh, you know college and stuff in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know these, these things are all polar opposites to um, all the stuff I've done myself personally, and all absolutely amazing. So to kind of just suddenly land amongst all these people doing all these absolutely amazing things. It was kind of like a a big kind of privilege. Um, I wasn't sure if uh, what was the word? Imposter syndrome. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sure if they'd noticed that um, I wasn't on their level, Um, but everyone was absolutely, you know, just, it was incredible. It was just like, seeing what everyone was doing uh being immersed as that they shared not just like what their businesses were about but the problems that okay. they were facing that takes like a massive amount of you know character to kind of say you know something's up we, we don't really know what it is um to do that it was like it was just awesome and then su- the success their story- uh, stories um, you know, coming out after the four months as well as uh, people had put in all the hard work and stuff like, um, you know, f- uh, Freddie's doing amazingly. Uh, people had won clients and stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, my stuff was going well. Justin was doing phenomenally. It was like, wow. <laughs> so you felt like it? you were in a,
0: a, a good enough environment to start to change your diet and work on your health. And, and can you share a bit
1: about that? Oh, for sure. Um, so, I knew that you know, not not going to get into an argument, but in my opinion, um, as much as genes play a factor, kind of for me, uh, my my diabetes is definitely a result of like lifestyle choices that I've made in the past, uh, mm. you know, dealing with things. Um, so you know, I just decided to completely clean up. So I decided to completely clean up and stop drinking one year, two months, and twenty-three days ago. Nice. Uh, I've got an app for that. Uh, and, you know, I cleaned up my diet as well. Um, stopped eating breads or carbs. I went completely keto. Um, so I changed my diet, which actually meant uh, I could get I could get off my diabetes medication um, and just, just use diet and exercise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was already, you know, hard on the exercise in Phuket. Um, but, you know, I carried it on um, walking a lot in Barcelona and going to the gym and stuff. So I, I just used, I guess the support of everyone, um, to, to completely change, uh, my lifestyle and what I was doing, um, and create not just temporary change, but lasting change. Like, you know, I, I'm now one, I'm 14 months, almost 15 months sober. Um, nice. whilst I necessarily have called myself an alcoholic, uh, you know, that, that's, that's stuck um and all of the other changes have kind of stuck as well like i can do absolutely anything i want with with my life and my day-to-day and um you know in asia there's a lot of room uh for error (laughs) (laughs) when when you have opportunities like that um but you know, I've stuck to the, the, the kind of the transformation that I made in uh in Barcelona because I was there for four months, you know, by then all, all the habits are, you know, quite quite entrenched. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, things are still going really well. I'm like still in the gym four or five times a week. My diet is still completely on point. Um my weight is absolutely fine. Uh I have checkups with my doctors every three months and uh, my diabetes is completely under control nice. uh, it's yeah like you you can't really put a price on that can you <laughs> no and
0: i have to say congratulations on that risk like I, I saw you when you first came into the house and then when you left and i saw the transformation it was absolutely incredible to see you go through that and i think anybody in the house that saw that agrees and it's really cool to see where you are now um maintaining that and in, 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 having the discipline to control that and control your diabetes. So kudos to you, man. Excellent work.
1: Thank you very much. Um, I probably wouldn't have been able to do that without you guys. So, yeah, thank you. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. So while you were
0: doing this, uh, maintaining your health and in-house, the you continued to build Amazuka, right?
1: Yeah, so I started at Mazooka before I left the UK, although it wasn't really a product. Um, it was just some personal graphing tools. Mm-hmm. Then I started on it when I was in Phuket, um, kind of like, you know, have so, I had so much free time in Phuket because I wasn't really working, just training. Yeah. You no, know, I was able to put, like you know, like five or six hours into it every day. Um, and then, yeah, when I was kind of in the entrepreneur house with you guys, uh some VCs caught wind of it yeah, um, and wanted to invest. How'd that so, feel for you? How did that what, sorry? How'd that feel for you? Um, it was kind of, it was a shock, but also mind-blowing. It's, it's nice to be believed in. <laughs> yeah. Um, considering it, it's actually, it's a brilliant example of, you know, talking about falling forwards um because it was a kind of personal passion project and not like a business project yeah um, I made lots of kind of business mistakes which kind of have also turned into many success stories um, kind of further down the line but it's it's interesting to see everything I did wrong from a business point of view, yet at the same time, everything I did right from a kind of software engineering point of view. Um, But no, it was crazy. So uh, they got hold of me on on Skype, um, kind of put forwards a proposal. Um, It was a very good one. So then that took me to Bangkok in October, um, which then in turn... Took me to Shenzhen, China, um, in June this year. I think it was June, maybe a bit earlier. And now, um, now is also taken me to uh, you know Vietnam, Ho Chi Minh. Excellent. So, considering you know I'd build it as a case study to show my next employer when I got back to the UK. And <laughs> uh, now you know it's got investment. I'm being paid to work on it. I'm, I'm managing a. A remote team of a dozen people um, working on it. Um, it's much much bigger than I expected, and extremely exciting.
0: <laughs> Where do you think Amazuka will be in the
1: next five years? Oh, um, I can't say too much, but we're in the process of uh, we're basically about to change the entire of the Amazon landscape. Um, nice. It's. It's very exciting right now. I'm kind of, I'm definitely not the smartest person in the room. Um, there are some amazing people out here and we've got something mind-blowingly special planned from both uh, a SaaS provider point of view, but also a kind of Amazon seller point of view. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's something no one's done before. Wow. Uh, so it's, it's going to be cool. That's amazing. So you're
0: doing well. You're in Vietnam now, correct? Yep. And Mazzucca's doing well and you're happy. You don't have to go back to a real job. You've done amazing yeah, as an entrepreneur. Brilliant. Your health is under control. Your story is amazing, by the way. Yeah. Oh, well, you're part of it. <laughs> Gosh, well. half of it. <laughs> well, I just provided the, the tool. You used the tool. But okay, Russ, this is, that, that's great. So we're going to kind of wrap up. Everything. Cool. And we're going to go through a little lightning round of questions that Russ does not know what they are. And Uh-oh. so we'll catch him off guard a little bit. So are you ready, Russ? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, go ready? What is the most astounding fact you can share about yourself?
1: Oh. The most astounding facts. Yeah. Uh, I've done the Native American suspension ritual where I've had my back pierced by hooks and then been suspended off the ground. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Where did you do that at? Norfolk, England. Ah. The, the very home of Native Americans. <laughs> so those that don't know, Russ has a, a, a
0: bit of a background in a carnival. Is that correct? Yeah.
1: Yeah, doing yeah, He used to be a fire performer. Yeah. Um, kind of doing... Circus shows and festivals and things. Um, Basically something completely asymmetrical to my normal nine-to-five-day job uh, as a kind of creative, energetic outlet. Um, Incredible. So I did that for three years, kind of traveling around England, performing uh, in front of crowds. That was absolutely amazing. And
0: I've seen a show... Online of you, uh, one of your fire shows, and it, it is actually pretty amazing. That, uh, the, co- the 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 coordination that you guys have between um, between acts and performances was phenomenal. Yeah. I, okay, yeah. go ahead. I
1: just um, yeah, the, the kids that have um, more time than me to invest into like honing their skills—it's mm-hmm. uh, just mind-blowing what those guys can do. Wow. Okay, what keeps you motivated Russ um fear of failure, possibly um, a bit of ambition, like I guess there's two parts: motivation to go to the gym and then motivation to go to work um, so the gym motivation, I guess the diabetes is a tiny motivator, but also. You know the way the way I want to see myself, I guess, is a person that does these things. Um, you know, if kind of. I guess everyone, to a certain extent, has a vision of who they are and what they look like in their minds. And uh, you know, if I want to live up to the person who I think I am, want to be, and think I can be, um, then I've got to kind of actually start acting like like that person. Right. So that's that's the biggest motivator like you know who who do i actually want to be as a person
0: very nice next
1: question what are what is one or two
0: things that you see in business today um, as a pattern
1: that are common mistakes mistakes Ooh. um not testing out the market um before you kind of like put your product or project plan together. That's, that's the biggest one. Uh, too many people kind of like trying to find a market for their product. Right. After the fact, I think, um, great point. You know, the whole, the whole fail fast thing, uh, is, is very important there. Um, also doing too much yourself badly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I suffer from that sometimes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like, uh, I've, I've done it myself, you know, um, my time is free. Uh, something is better than nothing. Yada, yada, yada. Really? Um, uh, you know, actually if, if you, if you can, you know, if you really believe in something, really believe in it, you know, and you're trying to put something together that's going to be with you for the next two, three or four years, Yeah, getting someone to do it properly now um even though you can't necessarily justify the price is is the better way of doing it rather than you know hoping to make some money that you can then reinvest it's like sometimes you've actually you know if you really believe in it you've just got to take that risk beautiful i love the way you put that
0: okay next question favorite book oh um
1: probably any terry pratchett book moving pictures Okay. I think that's, for some reason, that's the one that stuck with me because it scared the crap out of me as a child. <laughs> what are you reading right now? So, so right now I'm reading Exponential Organizations by Salim Ismail. Um, and yeah, I, I, I really recommend it. It's part of a kind of unofficial trilogy, I guess. Um, there's uh, a sequel, or two sequels, called Bold, and another one's called Abundance. I've heard of those, uh, yes. Yeah, Yeah, um, those two are by a guy called Peter Diamandis, mm-hmm. which is why it's an unofficial trilogy. But it's kind of, they all reference the same things, and they're by the same publishing house. And I definitely, definitely recommend reading all three and reading them in order so uh, exponential organizations is the first one so I'm doing it backwards Um, but expo organizations is about people like um, Uber and Airbnb um, who have created massive organizations by leveraging other people so you know obviously Uber has its army of taxi drivers that Mm -hmm. kind of Contract in and out when they want. Airbnb, you know, is the biggest hotel network in the world and doesn't have a single property. Right. Uh, so uh, that's what that book's about, and it's absolutely incredible. Um, abundance is about how technology is changing the world uh, and making it more more of an abundant place. So basically, how how the abundance mindset is solving a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. So. That's things like vertical farming, solving, uh, you know, hunger um, and, you know, solar power, solving uh, energy needs. Um, And then bold is bold is more entrepreneurial. So, um, you know, we've covered organizational structures uh, and how to grow big. Um, and then there's, you know, the big world problems and mm-hmm. bold is then how you can solve those problems. So uh, it discusses a few things you might already know about, like, you know, using Upwork and 99designs and how to leverage um, all of these things to get solutions done. But it also gets into discussing things like the X price, like mm-hmm. um, you know, if obviously I'm not a billionaire, but, you know, on their level, they can put, you know, a prize fund down for a million dollars. And then have nine teams spend two million dollars each mm-hmm. trying to solve the problem for this one million dollar prize, and you know that's that's a really good way of creating something that affects change uh, cheaply um, comparatively. I, so, go ahead. So all all three books kind of like uh, work together to kind of put forward the idea of a, a really prosperous future where you know anyone can make a difference if, if you actually have that one good idea
0: I love that and I'm going to put that on my reading list right now okay my friend Russ I want to give you a big thank you for coming on to the show thank you for coming to the entrepreneur house in Barcelona and uh, before we sign off today uh, can you tell us tell the listeners where they can get a hold of you at
1: um, I've got a blog uh, um So yeah, there's a contact form there. So uh, if if you're doing anything, you might need my help on. Uh, give me a shout, um, and I'd love to have a look. And again,
0: Russ, definitely another big thank you for coming onto the show and coming to the house, and and thanks for becoming a friend, man. You're one of That's- my you're one of my favorite people. Actually, I I, I have a list of um, (laughs) top top fourteen. There's fourteen people that I respect and admire that are friends of mine that I want to become more like, and you're on that list. Thanks for everything, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep it up. Just keep it up. That's all. And uh, hopefully, I get to see you in Asia soon, buddy. Yes,
1: awesome. Uh, You are fantastic. It's been fantastic. Yeah, I can't say thank you enough, basically. It's impossible to. We'll say a big farewell from the Entrepreneur House show. Cheers. The
0: Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for location-independent entrepreneurs. Imagine spending one month with other successful entrepreneurs building business in the world's most exotic locations. Day-to-day, you interact with other driven and smart business people. Spending an extended period of time around them alters your business and your mentality about business. Goals are set, business grows, new partnerships develop, greater profit margins are achieved. The productivity skyrockets for those staying in the Entrepreneur House, and you get to have an incredible venture while doing it for those of you that are interested be sure to contact us through the EntrepreneurHouse.com website for now saludos from somewhere in the world
1: are you still doing any more um no uh well it's been interesting actually because mm-hmm. when because i spent the last year kind of doing this keto diet yeah um I've always had like, I've been able to lift weights and stuff. And obviously, you know, I've been able to like walk for miles and miles, right. but not really any high intensity training. Yeah. But, um, now I've swapped over to this medication in the last few weeks. It's like my energy levels have got back. I can eat carbs again. Really? So m- mulling over, putting, putting some kind of my cardio <coughs> back in to my life. Right. Still, still working on those abs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um i started doing bjj
1: oh
0: awesome yeah i love go? it i absolutely love it i was in rio We were walking by this gym this academy mm. and i was like you know it, it was my last week in rio i'd been there two and a half three months and um and i was like you know i always thought it'd be cool to try some bjj you know i have some friends that did it i knew vic did it uh, another guy james Ferrar, mm-hmm. and yeah 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 does it and, it and anyway the shit out of me for like an hour did <laughs> he <laughs> um so she was like go do it she goes yeah she goes i did it when i was a kid and i was like really and she's like yeah they'll probably give you a free class and so i went and when i got there it's this guy his last name was staunch i think it was like miguel staunch and he was a red belt and um do you know the belts like how they run a it? little bit yeah. uh but I get confused. I can't remember where red fits into the picture. Anyway,
1: so that's like super high, isn't
0: it? Yeah, it's beyond black. Yeah, and it's only when a person like dedicates their entire life to teaching BJJ, and it's got to be like practicing it for forty years. Oh, and shit! And he was like sixty-five, and just the most <laughs> humble and cool dude. And he was like, "Come on, like let's wrestle, like let's grapple or whatever." <laughs> Spoke barely any English, and my Portuguese sucked, and so we we talked back and forth, but. He'd show me some moves, and he's like, "Come on, choke me harder." And I was like, "All right." I felt bad, you know, I had this old man choking him up. And yeah. He, and he showed me another move, harder, harder. And I was like, and um, and I, I went for a couple of classes, and a guy came in that spoke English. He goes, "How do you find this academy?" And I said, "Well, I live two blocks from here. I walk by it every day. I just decided to show up." And he awesome. goes, "He goes, man, you couldn't have found a better teacher. This guy, this guy trained with." Um, Helio Gracie, the founder of BJJ, (laughs) and I was like, "Shut up!" And he goes, "Yeah." He goes, "This is this is one of the best places I think you can find in Rio." Oh, that's amazing! And so, yeah, I came back to um, 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 Barcelona and found a place that um, does Muay Thai and BJJ and self defense, and just kind of fell in love with it. So I'll be doing it while I'm in
1: Asia. I'll be doing it for a while now. I really enjoy it. Yeah that's awesome. Yeah, we um we saw the big UFC fight last week, mm-hmm. McGregor versus Diaz. Yeah. And that kind of rekindled my interest in martial arts. Yeah. So yeah, I've got to got to get back on that bandwagon now there's absolutely no excuses. <laughs>